Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to MedterraCBD.com and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to save 15% off every single one of your purchases at medterracbd.com. You can also go to patchedmx.com and get 15% off every single one of your uh, butt patches with the promo code BIGMX15. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line is a very special photographer. We've worked closely together in the past. We've shared more than a few cold beverages, and we got some stories to swap back and forth. And uh, he's recently been spending a whole lot more of his time uh, surrounding himself with the freestyle motocross industry, which is what we're going to mainly talk about in this podcast. He is the great photographer himself, Eric Phelan. Eric, how's it going? Good. How you doing, Brad? Hey, not doing too mad, man. Anytime I get to uh, get on the horn and uh, talk moto with uh, someone who surrounds himself with it, that's uh, just a huge uh, honor for me. I'm really excited to chat with you. And, uh, yeah, if people are, are not already following p.h.d.photography on Instagram, you're missing out. Uh, and uh, people need to go over there and, and check you out. Uh, Eric, you've been doing this for a number of years now. Great photos, really, really great stuff. It's it's predominantly motocross, although uh, you did get some uh, skateboard stuff and uh, some BMX stuff while you were at uh, X Games, and we'll get to that. But uh, before we get to uh, what you've been covering lately, um, how did you get into photography, and uh, and maybe give us the uh, the four one one on Eric Phelan? All right. Well, uh, it was actually kind of a random story getting into photography. I've done sales my whole life and wasn't really de- digging the, the desk job scene anymore. So it all started out with a, a random trip to Redbud probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago, give or take, and didn't have anything fancy, just a little digital camera that one of my buddies had that he let me borrow for the weekend. And I had a lot of fun and came back and everybody that I showed anything to seemed to enjoy it. So this one thing led to another and I mean, I'm all self-taught. I've been lots of, lots of shutter clicks and YouTube videos and Google research and anything that I can do to, you know, try to progress a little farther and learn something new. That's really cool, man. Self-taught, checking these things out, just kind of, uh, getting uh, a lot of mileage. I'm sure not only driving to these tracks, but mileage as far as, uh, like you said, uh, uh, pressing down the shutter and, and seeing what pops out on the other side. Uh, for those uh, that may be listening who are uh, a bit of gear nerds, when it comes to photography, what is it that you started out on uh, as far as equipment-wise? What have you progressed to? And uh, sort of what's in your arsenal? Because uh, nobody that goes around these races only has uh, the one body. It's usually a couple bodies and uh, and then some expensive glass that comes along with it. Absolutely. Unfortunately, the expensive part is the key word nowadays. Every everything you do is that there's no there's no cheap accessory for photography. Unfortunately, but uh, yeah, back uh, back when I started, it was a Sony. Um, man, I don't even remember. It was just a Sony point and shoot camera. Mm-hmm. Um, used that for probably like six months and kind of outgrew it quick. So I moved up to a, a Sony D fifty three hundred. Or I'm sorry, a Nikon D5300, which was uh, you know not not necessarily a 
a professional camera, but it, you know, it was something to progress with. And is that full I used frame? that for probably like a year. Uh, that's actually still a crop sensor. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it was, yeah, it was nothing, nothing crazy. Just had a kit lens on it, but, you know, basically taught myself all the fundamentals with that. Um, and then I moved up to a full frame <clears throat> Nikon, also a D750. Um, and then got some better glass. I use a, for most of my action sports shots, I'm using a 70 to 200 2.8 uh, Nikon lens as well. Okay. That's pretty much my go- my go to for for any action sports, and then I have you know depending on on if it's more of like a lifestyle shot for for that sport or something like that. Sometimes I'll have a I have a Rokinon fourteen millimeter lens, a couple different flashes that I'll use. Um, kind of depends on the scenario, but yeah, for anybody out there listening, you know you can definitely get the job done with with the cheaper stuff. I mean, you can get some great photos with that D5300 or even the Sony that I used to have. Um, but you'll outgrow it eventually. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and there yeah. is a bit of a, a market for the uh, the used camera stuff. Like, People always want to sort of like dip their toes into it. I'm sure you can kind of repurpose things that way. But uh, when it comes time to uh, get up to the, the, the highest level of like standing next to uh, the, the Garth Mylans of the world, the... Um, the uh, the brown dog Wilsons of the world. You need to basically you need to come correct and, and make sure that you're uh, uh, at least bringing a, a gun to a gunfight, uh, standing next to those guys in at least a similar spot. Um, and I'm sure there's a bit absolutely. Of, yeah, I, I bet there's a bit of a hierarchy uh, amongst you guys as everyone's kind of checking each other with what everyone's uh, uh, walking the track with. Um, but uh, how is your like you said you're sort of self taught? How is your craft and uh, the way you capture photos? Uh, evolved over the years, and uh, and what what would you say are something that sort of uh, are like trademarks of an Eric Phelan photo? Because a lot of times, like when I when I see Cudby photo or I see Brown Dog photo, uh, oddly enough, because I've been looking at these images for so long, and then from each guy, like I can usually tell whose photo it is, um, and just by looking at it. Uh, are there any specific characteristics about your work that uh, like seem to jump out at people? Man. I'm been thinking about the question since you started asking it, and I'm I don't really necessarily know about a specific photo. I guess what I've come to find, and I mean, <clears throat> you know, I've always looked up to Cudby and Brown Dog and all those guys. I mean, they're you know, great guy, by the way, Chris uh, Gans, yeah, really Garth, guy. all of them. I mean, they're they do exceptional work. I mean, some of the stuff still boggles my mind on how they even manage to make it happen. Um, but I've kind of noticed that just in general with a lot of photographers, they all have that certain one style that they they like to do their editing to or the way they like to shoot or things of that nature. I guess with me, you you kind of see the most, like I like to edit things differently. I like to shoot in different spots. I kind of like to mix it up. I don't like, I, I try not to do the same thing every time, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely mix things up. Like, uh, for instance, for those who don't already follow, uh, Freestyle Photocross, that's Kristen Slack. Uh, that girl has an innate ability to catch, like, those, like, kind of, like you said, those lifestyle mo- moments. I think maybe she even gives yep. up on that stuff more than anybody. I think that's maybe her, uh, the female touch, uh, really kind of like, uh, shining brightly. She, gets, when she really, catch- she really has a way to like portray that emotion of the oh, shot. Yeah. Like she gets those before and after shots of the race that are mm-hmm. exceptional. Yeah. Like she got, she got a bunch of photos of, uh, when, um, 
like when Ken Roxon won his first heat race coming back, like he was he basically like he hadn't hadn't won a heat race in a lot like a long time. Finally came back to it, and when everyone is looking at the the finish line, Kristen is flipped back the other way, taking uh, pictures of uh, is it Brittany, uh, his, uh, Ken, Ken's wife, or yeah, Ken's now 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 is her, but Courtney, Courtney's wife. Um, yeah, and like yeah. she's got some great photos of just that the emotion with that, and like just capturing those types of moments. That's really cool. What what, uh, what Kristen does, and I, honestly, I do. Uh, I, I can tell a an Eric uh, Phelan photo uh, from one. Honestly, because I don't think I, I've seen a photo, and maybe it's because you, you dump the ones that don't turn out. But um, you have this innate ability to really get uh, the intensity in guys' eyes when they're competing. Uh, you get a lot of upfront shots. You're very square to the shooter. Uh, or you, I guess you know, you're the, uh, I guess you're the shooter, but like you're square to the athlete a lot of the time, and you you can really uh, yep. get some of those things to pop. Those are some of the things that kind of yeah, kind of get that that look of focus, like the determined yeah. look. Exactly. So that that's maybe <clears throat> something that uh, is a little bit of a trademark from from your work. But uh, I gotta think that uh, over the years you've worked for a lot of different uh, uh, independent people or teams or different brands like i know uh when it comes to photography you basically have to spread yourself so thin that it uh, uh it's pretty ridiculous i know brown dog shoots for like <laughs> he's probably got like 30 plus clients that he's shooting for on a particular day fxr being one of them um yeah how did how has that sort of uh, evolved for you and how you got uh more um just more exposure that way um i mean i guess a, a lot of it is just honestly meeting the right people but it does take some time management. I mean, you got to be, you know, when it comes to race day or, you know, event day in general, when you're shooting for multiple athletes or multiple teams, I mean, you got to have a schedule on you. You got to, you got to know when you need to be where that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing that I learned real quick when I first started shooting supercross is, you know, everything kind of just starts happening and then it's going, there is no, there is no medium. So you need to, you need to know when things are happening so you can be there 10 minutes early and be ready to get that shot that you want or get that angle of the certain person or rider, or whatever that may be. Um, and I mean, I found that on in general with photography. I mean, a lot of it is just being kind of like what you said with Kristen, a, a lot of it, don't get me wrong. It takes work to be in the places that you need to be, but sometimes it's just about being at the right place at the right time. You know, the the lighting happens to be a little different. That emotion is there. There's just something that right at that moment, that's the shot. But if yeah. you were there 30 seconds later, it's not there. Now, when it comes to being kind of Johnny on the spot with taking certain uh, photos, obviously there's a uh, – you guys are kind of struggling for elbow room around the uh, the podium more often than not. Uh, but when you're on the on the floor at Supercross, uh, how mindful are you of not literally standing in the same space as some of the other guys that are like getting a certain shot and stuff like that? Like there's times where you need to get a certain shot of like say the start or something like that, and there's only so many good spots uh, for vantage point with that. Um, but uh, like I found when I was doing like I was on the floor with my photo vest, uh, like I would I honestly find myself more often than not, trying to find somewhere where I'm not standing right next to somebody because I want my shots to be a little bit different. How do you approach that? Um, <clears throat> I would say it depends on the shot, um, but I, I do agree with you. I would rather be a little farther down or in a different section trying to get a different angle of something because if you're, if you're standing right next to one of the other guys that you know is shooting for 
roughly all the same people are going to get shared to the same social media networks, all that stuff. Right. You don't want to take a photo that's going to look identical to the guy next to you. Um, I mean, there are instances, like you said, with the start and, you know, with Supercross, there's a lot of restrictions as far as where, where oh. a photographer can certainly be, you know, you, more you get to the stadium. It pisses me off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. They're, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to cover their own because they don't want anybody impeding on the track or getting injured by a bike that flies off of it. But it, I also feel like at the same time, pretty much any of us that are there have signed waivers just like a just like a rider has so i mean i mean if anything was to happen that we should be treated just like a rider if they get hurt so i mean i i agree with the red tape but i could i could see it being loosened a little bit and and just letting more people shoot the event it's it's i mean i get it you have to you have to have some limitations but you know there's a lot of times where there are people that could be shooting that maybe don't get the opportunity because they just haven't met the right person yet. And, um, to me, I mean, I get it. The guys on the floor, including myself, I mean, we're doing it as a job and we want to sell our photos and be backed by teams and sponsors to be able to continue on our career path. But at the same time, not letting people in the fan, like in the stands with cameras and, you know, cameras that they can go buy off the shelf. I mean, it's not like they're bringing in anything special. Um, yeah, you know, no. myself personal, myself personally, you know, going to Stan Boyd stadium one year, you know, I got turned down at the door with a camera and I mean, that was before I had credentials or had done the supercross scene. I was just going as a fan wanting to take photos of, of my favorite riders. And to me, it was like, all they're doing is losing extra exposure for the sport. I mean, if your fans want to go there and support you and take photos and post them on Instagram, all that is doing is putting more of supercross or motocross or anything out there on social media for people to look at yeah it's just more so, content and that, 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 that exactly. tickets for phil does it not <laughs> yeah i mean that that to me that's the only reason people go is because they see it on social media nowadays nobody watches it on tv if they do they're watching it on their phone on youtube or something i mean it it and that to me, and I mean, yeah. they, they wonder why the sport isn't progressing like it could be. And there's a lot of avenues that they haven't gone down that could be profitable and just in general, the exposure that they could get from it could, could help everybody involved. Oh, we, we could probably do uh, a whole other separate podcast on um, just the restrictions that the promoters and those in power put on uh, on either with media people or like um, I know, photographers whatever uh, when it comes to like having access to the sport having access to certain things this that and other thing and just like it, that that's that could, that could go on and on and on I don't know if anything will change about it um, but uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, like where people are watching the uh, this sport and, and we'll get into that in a little bit here but before we kind of get into uh, sort of um, what you've been doing lately with shooting a lot of freestyle and stuff like that. Who are some of your favorite athletes to uh, to get photographs of? Obviously, we've seen you at Mammoth uh, shooting McGrath a fair bit. Uh, also, uh, guys, kids like uh, was it Talon Hawkins is uh, seems to be a favorite of yours. And uh, you must live damn close to uh, Mister uh, Jimmy. Uh, what's his, uh, uh, what's his name there? 
This sounds terrible. Are you think? Are you thinking Jared McNeil? Jared McNeil. Why is it Jimmy? I was. Oh wow, English. Was it Jimmy McNeil? Because he didn't he pass away. Jared. Ooh, that I'm not. That I'm not sure about. Yeah, there was a freestyle guy that that passed away. That it was it was a different McNeil that uh, that passed away. But uh, Jared McNeil, he, he seems to uh, to work with you a fair bit. Um, I think that's maybe what brought you into uh, more freestyle lately. Um, but who are some of the, your favorite guys to shoot, man? Uh, you work with a lot of guys. Oh man, it's hard to it's hard to pick. I mean, I I try not to discriminate. I take photos of everyone just to throw that out there. Um, but no, I mean, I, I like the guys who have style. I mean, you can, you know, you can shoot a photo over one jump of five different people and there's one of them that looks cool because just how that person rides. Um, the McGrath thing was cool. Um, I mean, that's honestly the up, up at Mammoth, like you mentioned, that was the first time I had ever met McGrath or actually been able to get him in front of the lens. That's super cool, and that was super cool. I mean, seeing him race the 500. I mean, that was that was that was awesome. Um, and yeah, some of the young guns, like you mentioned, Talon. I love taking photos of Talon. I mean, he's he's a little ripper, and he's got style for days. I mean, yep. For example, him and uh, you know Danger Boy is another one. I was just going to bring him up. He's fun to watch. He'll he'll send it over everything. I was over over at uh, Jared McNeil's house not too long ago, and. Those two showed up on both their bikes and without hesitation just started hitting a freestyle ramp, whipping it out, doing heel clickers, just sending it. Like looked like a scene out of Mini Warriors from back in the day. I love it. That's a, um, that's a that's a, a part of the sport that we don't get to see nearly enough anymore. But uh, yeah, continue. Yeah, um, I agree with that. First off, there's the the whole mini scene is kind of I feel like it's just as it's as big as ever if not bigger but there's not as much coverage or people making like the youth like mini warrior style movies and yeah. things like that to actually get those kids the exposure that they deserve because they're all putting in the work. Oh, for um, sure. Uh, we, full disclosure, you and I completely uh, spoiled in the fact that we literally grew up through the era of like Verb Moto giving like full race recap coverage. Of like not even just Loretta's, but like Oak Hill, Lake Whitney, and everything else in between. Yeah, everything. Yeah, anything that you wanted to find. I mean, you had the. Uh, what am I thinking of? Moto Playground or no? Yeah, Moto Playground. With, like, the, the, yeah, Moto uh, Playground. Like, I mean, yeah, you had uh, all the Moto like the, the mini ma- mini magazines, yeah. mini Moto, like everything. Yeah. It was awesome. Mini- yeah, there's Mini Racer Magazine, Moto Playground. Uh, if you went to a, a, a national and rode press or rode the amateur day, you'd get a magazine called The Pickle, which is uh, basically yep. like it, it was uh, one that, that covered amateur racing. I think that was owned by um, uh, Playground. Like that, that, that Moto Playground, like they did a fantastic job. They still do a fair bit, but not nearly what they, they did prior. But uh, continue on what you're saying with uh, some exactly. Guys were, yeah. Um, I would say Roxon's a really fun one, uh, really fun one to shoot. Um, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and shoot with is Nate Adams. Um, yes. I mean, and he's been, you know, I know he's not necessarily a moto guy, but you know, on the freestyle side, he was one of the first guys I ever shot with for freestyle. And I mean, yeah, I just literally couldn't say enough about him. Easy to work with. He knows what he's doing. He's been around yep. the scene for forever. I mean, I grew up watching Nate on TV and it was an honor. It's an honor to work with him, you know, weekly now. So, and I, I kid you not, you, you definitely won't meet a nicer guy out there that, I mean, for somebody that's achieved what he has on a dirt bike, it's, he's just a normal guy, you know, go, go check him out at Pala. If you're out there and say hi to him, he'd love it. So, 
Oh, yeah. um, other, I'm trying to think of some other guys. I mean, obviously Jared. Jared's one of them. I mean, watching watching his whips in person is are just insane. I mean, it's it still boggles my mind how a guy that's 115 or 20 pounds can throw a bike around the way that he does. It's it's insane. Yeah, no, he's he's insane. Like, uh, and also very good interview. Him and Nate actually are great interviews. Uh, Nate Adams, one of the is he's not one of he's the only pro motocross racer, freestyle or otherwise, who sends me a happy birthday text. Not a not a uh, not a Facebook uh, comment. Actually, texts me. Yeah, legitimate. That, that that's when you know it's real. Like you, you know, know what I mean? Like it's like, a lot more like, real. Because I had talked to him like it was like mid fall. And I'm like, yeah, I got a birthday coming up. He's like, well, when's your birthday? I was like, six, blah, blah, blah. Like, literally, like, eight, four or five weeks later, I get a text. He's like, hey, man, happy birthday. I'm like, no. <laughs> no that, that's Nate Adams. He's that, he's that, just that yeah, nice of a guy. Which is funny because he he's really a destroyer is. and he's all, like, he's intimidating because he's, like, he's, he seems like he's, uh, like a really, like, I wouldn't say rough around the edges guy, but he's like, he's a freaking destroyer. Let's come on. Like, like he did the, the, the 360 for the first time. He's doing backflips as nobody else was. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's he's, really cool. He's the man. He's the man for sure. But, um, so, but when we talk about freestyle, and we're going to get into this now, is sort of, and this is something that I kind of talked about on Twitter a little bit. Uh, I've put it out there on a different social media lines, is that, um, I feel that freestyle motocross is, is crazier than it's ever been. The tricks are bigger than they've ever gone, partly in thanks to, uh, Nitro, uh, Nitro Circus and the Nitro World Games, which happened this last weekend in, uh, in, in, ta- in Utah. Um, it's just, I find that, uh, maybe it's because, uh, we as racers, like, like, uh, like the racing community doesn't really connect with it as much because there's less former, racers that are doing these crazy stunts or maybe there's zero of those guys that are still doing these crazy stunts um or it's the fact that we can also see all of these tricks and flips and everything else in between um on our phones or on youtube literally every single day like you could you could just you could just scroll through this stuff non-stop and and never put it down um like why is it now i feel like it's the sport itself is crazier than it's ever been, and it's rel it's less relevant than it's ever been. Like maybe it, within the like, do you sort of like do you you sort of understand what I'm saying when I sort of have that sort of feeling that maybe uh, it's it's just like, absolutely it, the the sport seems to have kind of jumped the shark a little bit, or that the core motocross yeah. fans aren't really connecting mm-hmm. with it. Like uh, I see empty well, seats. Well, even a, even a prime ex- a, a prime example of that. Um, I was even talking to Jared about it a couple weeks ago. Like, you know, I'm obviously I'm, I'm a fan yeah. as well as a, as a photographer. So, you know, all the, the riders that I follow or, you know, I follow X games. I follow all those things on social media. Right. Um, but like leading, leading up to X games this year, like I, I didn't see any sort of advertisement. No. Like all I saw, all I saw were some riders that were posting videos about them going to X games and how, pumped they were mm-hmm. but there was no actual like online presence of like x games is coming to minneapolis in two weeks so i don't know if, if maybe they just don't have the sponsorship money to really push it as much as they could um I'm, I'm not i'm not really sure but i i completely agree with you and i 
I don't know if it even goes back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago when all the freestyle guys were like these big, bad, like, you know, they all wanted to look like badasses, which, I mean, that's how some of them built their whole careers. And I mean, that's sweet. I followed those guys his whole career and watched them too. But I think that's kind of what made it disconnect from the racer world. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the racer world is more clean cut training every day on your regiments. They want nothing to do with any outside shenanigans when you're working with Yamaha or Honda or, you know, whoever the factory teams are, there is no going out partying. I mean, there was 25 years ago in the eighties and nineties or whatever, but yeah, not anytime recently, you know what I mean? Exactly. So I think the freestyle world kind of got a bad rap for that in a sense. And it, mm-hmm. it just kind of stayed there. Nobody really bridged that gap to show that all of these guys work and train just as hard as, I mean, maybe not just as hard as some of the moto guys, but at the same time, every time they go off of a ramp, they're putting their life in their own hands. I mean, you never know what can happen. Yes, they have, they have foam pits now. They have airbag landers now. So they have done things to make the, make the sport progress and, and get better safer but at the same time like these guys these guys are like you said i mean the, the sport is crazier than it's ever been by far but at the same time it's kind of getting pushed to the side yeah um, I, just, I, I don't see I, the numbers coming out at uh x games like they're like you watch uh the stands the stands are empty like no one no, no yeah. one seems to really be there to watch and I, I know I also noticed like there's not even a lot of industry sponsors sponsoring the racers anymore. Like you don't see DC, DC shoes in in moto anymore. Like and it always seems to be like something's always always like a a different different brand that's like doing like a a one year trial of what freestyle motocross is all about. And I don't think they're seeing their return on investment. And then the next year it's a different brand that's doing that. Like I guess sponsor yeah. will always none of, be there. None of them are. Yeah. Well, I I've. I've seen too. I mean, I feel like a lot of these companies they're doing that, like you're mentioning, but then they're not, they're not using the right social platforms to actually push, you know, their products or whatever, whatever they're trying to accomplish to get themselves exposure to see a return. Yeah. That's the hardest part. And I mean, like you said, I mean, this was my first X games ever that I had been to this past year and it was, it was an awesome time, but I mean, the TV shows it, so I mean, I I should be able to say it. I mean, the stands were were nowhere near what I thought that they were going to be. I was yeah. I was d- definitely surprised by what the attendance looked like. I would love to know what the actual attendance was for X Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I do know that that stadium is the stadium is absolutely massive. That stadium is awesome. Was so like I mean, it is kind of hard there, to so like yeah, ten thousand exactly. people looks pretty young. empty. When, like you know what I mean? Like yeah. That's exa- yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, one little section has, you know, eight to 12,000 people. So there very well could be more people there than what we think. It's just because it's such a massive venue to be able to put all the disciplines inside of it that it looks small, you know, when you're talking about it. But but I do feel like with more advertisement and more more like that, that they could be, you know, there could be more people in those stands. There, there's ways to get more people in those stands, if you ask me, with I mean, they obviously have quite a big budget to be able to get that stadium in the first place. So, yeah. So there's got to be other avenues that they aren't taking to put more people in those stands. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors. We'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. 
Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you gotta check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. They got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's gonna make your garage smell better. It's gonna make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're gonna love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're gonna love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Dot com. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program, and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program, and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The collective experience, first thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can, like, Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, The Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience. A proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. 
What's up, Big MX Radio listeners? I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio podcast. It means so much to me that you guys would take time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully you guys find some information that you didn't already get from another podcast. And uh, if you guys have any requests whatsoever on content you'd like to see on the Big MX Radio podcast, please send me either a direct message on Instagram. If you're not already following, I hope you do. It's Brad Gebhardt 88 on Instagram. And you can also find me via email, bradgebhart 88 at gmail.com. Hit me up in the DMs. And uh, thank you again for listening to these uh, really important commercials. Uh, we do our best to uh, plug our sponsors and I hope that you guys support our sponsors like Medterra CBD as well as uh, Maxima Racing Oils and uh, Fly Racing is coming on soon and uh, really looking forward to that. So thanks again for listening to the Big MX Radio podcast. Garrett, Dale, all, all my good friends that are listening, I really appreciate you guys uh, making the time to listen to the podcast and uh, thanks again and uh, let's get back to the show. For sure and like for me, and you can answer this as well, like it's um, is it because we see this stuff like it's so readily available like it like we didn't we used to like basically like wait down until like mid-july august to see like what type of trick travis pastrano was going to bust out or what uh one of the the guys from the militia were going to pull out or something along those lines you just yeah. don't really see that anymore uh because as soon as a cool trick is available it's on instagram it's uh, it's in slow-mo um and it's shared by every uh, account that steals most of your photos uh, and reposts them, like you know what I mean. It, it's just yeah. it's, it's out there immediately. It's out there like everyone's well, like, something cool. You, it's going to be on like a People Are Awesome video within within that month, and then that's it. You know what I mean? Where whereas it, it seems different now, and then also the fact that some of these tricks, Eric, are just completely unrelatable. To your your everyday weekend warrior racer, like I can get down. That's actually what I was. Yeah, I was going to go to that next actually, because it's hard. You know, I mean, I raced motocross growing up and everything, and if I watch some guy do a double backflip no hander, I mean, that's awesome, but it's nothing that I'm ever going to be able to do. That doesn't where do, like, like, a be- like a, yeah. Like to me, like I would be more interested. Like back in the day, I mean, now watching them do it and seeing it, I love all of it equally. But like back in the day, if I was when I was racing, like really, I was just into like a best whip. Like because when you're racing, you want to do whips. You feel cool when you can whip. But exactly. thinking about the fast. freestyle side of it, you you weren't you, yeah you weren't doing freestyle, so it was like oh that's cool. But yeah, I'm not really into it. But but yeah, like you said, they're the tricks that they're doing nowadays are i mean some people do a really good job if they are like a prime example is david ronaldo you know nobody nobody knew what he was bringing to x games there was no video footage there he did a very good job of keeping it under tight wraps and he came out there and absolutely stomped it on his first run and most people that actually saw that will never fully comprehend how insane that was on a dirt bike yeah, I mean it's it's insane. It's insane. You know, Chuck Carruthers was the first guy to ever do a, a body burial. Which, when that happened, that was absolutely insane. Yeah. Now take that's that, 05. you know, fast. Yeah, I was gonna say fast forward another fifteen years almost, and now they're doing it upside down. And yeah, that's <laughs> like I've I have sequenced photos of it. I've watched the video probably twenty times, and I mean, I still don't understand how he like how it was even possible the physics of it just boggle my mind but 
he did it and yeah he's he's a bad dude on a dirt bike that's for sure yeah like, like, but all these about- all these guys kind of like i was gonna say going back to what you were saying it's unrelatable you know now i remember growing up and i'm sure you just as well like you never thought they were going to be doing front flips and freestyle runs no that you was... know, now, I mean, who who was it? Rob Adelberg, he had three front flips in one run. I mean, these guys are pulling a, a freestyle a freestyle run that 85% of people that grew up playing dirt bike video games couldn't do a better video game run if they had one opportunity to do it either. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's totally a video game. Like, there's, there's, there's certain tricks that, like, uh, in certain video games, like the ones that, like, the tricks were actually... Uh, like it was buttons you had to press rather than just sort of like, like twisting. Yeah, moving the air. joystick around. Yeah, like that. Like th- there's tricks in there that like they're not even like they weren't even possible in a video game. And now those guys are like you said are doing two or three of them in one run, let alone doing it on best trick. And like the body burial, a trick that Kyle Loza brought into motocross in like the late 2000s like oh probably 2008 2009 winning best trick with it um and now now that same trick is like it's in a backflip like where does this go next and uh yeah i think the the combination of that i think that they're missing a little bit of star power and the fact that these like these newer guys are aren't exactly household names the same way brian deegan and uh twitch and those guys were like maybe that's just because like the, like how they those were the pioneers of the sport. That's like for the same reason that we remember Johnny Unitas. Like was he that really that great of a quarterback, or was he just the quarterback of the Colts yeah. back then? Um, exactly. Just, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the like you watch like Mad Mike Jones do freestyle twenty five years ago, and you're like, all right, cool, I could do that in my backyard for the most part. Um, yeah. But it just seems so much more uh, iconic. It's so it's so much cooler. Um, so I feel like right now we don't seem to have the the characters. Like we have some awesome athletes. Obviously Jared is, and he's like extremely marketable, one of the coolest guys in the sport. But I don't think he gets nearly as much attention or love or admiration as a guy like Mad Mike Jones is because uh, the racing community doesn't re- uh, really acknowledge it all that much. And the fact that uh, you can watch him do all of his best whips on YouTube in a compilation video in five minutes, you don't have to go to a stadium to watch it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it, that in is some true. Respects, I mean, the times sort of, have changed when it comes yeah. to social media. I mean, everything is now and that's what people want. They want, you know, they want constant content all the time. That's what a lot of people don't realize too. And the, you know, as the viewer looking in, it's like, you know, you want con, like, they want constant content, but it's like, you you're trying to produce it constantly. It's a full, full-time job when it comes to, uh, you know, managing a YouTube channel if you're putting out good content all the time. Um, For sure. And, and everything is as old as, as soon as it's off your timeline, like if it's, if it's six hours old, it's, it's, it's old news. Yep. Which is 100%. like, you, you go out there, like say like your trip to, uh, to Mammoth. I don't know what it costs you to go. I don't know what you were even compensated to go for certain things, but, like within probably six months from now, those photos are going to be so far down on your, like even your profile that most people will never even scroll down to look at them. And oh like, yeah, the the only way the only way you'll see one is if it gets uh, like a throwback Thursday post. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, isn't that sort of sad? Like, like the fact that like you you go through all this this like 
jump through all the hoops to get the content and then like literally tomorrow social media is like the social media audience is almost like sitting there in an empty auditorium being like all right what next no it's not about what you did it's about what are you doing now yeah totally and it, it, it needs exactly. to happen exactly like, like, i mean thing. it's oh go ahead uh, I was going to say it's 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 not necessarily de- depressing, but because you're you're also I mean people are going to look at some stuff farther back, but you're always doing new stuff. So I mean sometimes I even have to look back and I'm like, oh yeah, that did happen. Like yeah. wow, that was that was a while. You know that was a thousand pictures ago or something. You know it's just when you're constantly doing stuff, and you know to me, I mean I guess it depends on the client too because it's it's capturing. I'm cap. I want to capture the moment for them. So, you know, it's something they can use forever or have hung up on their wall or go into a catalog or, you know, just that feeling of knowing that I got that shot that made them happy. That's that's what kind of motivates me in general. I hear you. And that's cool. And, yeah, like, like uh, totally right. Some some of the stuff is uh, it seems very disposable, if you could, like, like in a sense. But at the same time, yep. like, uh, cat- capturing a moment in time as much as now we have Instagram and Snapchat, like things disappear and we don't, we don't d- develop photos as much as uh, we once did. Obviously there was a time when you couldn't even look at a photo without doing so. Um, and, and now you can just, uh, if you're a photographer, you just hold down the shutter until you get something decent pop through your, uh, the, the frame uh, and not <laughs> trivialize what you guys do, but like, like back in the day, like you had five rolls yeah, of film, little, better was- get something good. Yeah, exactly. You had a you had a time limit. Now it's like, oh, you got a hundred and twenty eight gig card. Okay, you can yeah. take four thousand oh. pictures with this. Exactly. It is like the thing's going off like a uh, a Gatling gun in World War Two. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's like moving forward with your photography. Uh, I hope that people are, are following uh, uh, PhD photography if they haven't already done so in the podcast. Um, but what are some of the things that you have on the horizon? You mentioned always having to come out with new content, always working on new things. Uh, where can people kind of keep up with what you're doing? Uh, are you for hire? If people, some of the, there's someone in California who's listing right now, they they want to get some photos done, if whether it be of their self or or their one of their kids or something like that. Like, are you for hire in that sort of sense? And uh, and what's on uh, what's on your horizon as far as events you're going to be attending? Because uh, like Monster Cups coming up in, in not too long from now. I don't I, I don't think you'll be going all the way over to uh, uh, more across nations this year, even though you were able to go to Redbud this last year. What what do you got going on? Um, honestly, things have kind of calmed down a little bit for me. Um, Nitro World Games this last weekend was, was the last big event that I, that I have set in stone on the schedule. Um, and to go into that a little bit, if you guys haven't checked out Nitro World Games, need to look it up, go on YouTube, check out the rally and the quarter pipe. It's absolutely mind blowing. Corey Creed, I think went like 46 and a half feet off the top of the deck this year, which was I mean, that was insane. Like he literally, like he stalls out like a plane does. Like literally, you're just hanging in space for a second. Like oh, like that was yeah. Jeez, like makes your job it's, easier because he's standing still for a good half second there. But yeah, it's, it lo- it looks like slow motion when he's through the lens, even in real time. And I mean, for people that don't realize how big that is, I mean they're close to eighty feet off the ground. Yeah, that that takeoff ramp is 32 feet tall, and then they're going another 46 feet up above that. So, That's dumb. I mean, that is 
It is absolutely insane. It's like I made a post earlier today on my Instagram of Corey, and it's like I've I've seen some crazy things on dirt bikes, and I mean most of it nowadays is crazy, but but that is that is on another level. Just like the step up stuff. When I watched Jared, you know, Jared got his made history with his four feet at X Games with step up. You know, jumping forty, I think it was forty two feet this year. Yeah. Um, but watching that, it's it's insane. The landing is so hard on the bodies like people don't un- understand what goes into to basically being able to do a high jump on a dirt bike <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's definitely one of those disciplines i mean you know quarter pipe and step up are both disciplines that i would have never thought would actually be a thing for us to watch and and i think more people need to tune into both of those disciplines because they're they're crazy <laughs> I've stood sure. on the top of that quarter pipe ramp and I've stood on the top of uh the step up ramp and yeah, I want I love dirt bikes but I want no part of going off of either of those. No, um no. but as far as like being for hire, um, you know, I am freelance, so you know, any company or person that is looking for photos or video, um, I do video work as of this year now as well. Um, but yeah, anybody in Southern California or, you know, I'm, I'm willing to travel if, you know, travel is compensated, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm down, down for kind of anything. I just like having a camera in my hand and capturing the moment for guys. So, um, hopefully I I was thinking about maybe trying to do monster cup. I'd like to, I don't know yet if that's going to be a for sure thing. I got to talk to some people. Um, and I know me and Jared also have some, some video projects that we're going to be working on that'll probably be coming out in the next couple months. Uh, definitely tune in, uh, what should it be? Probably in a month. X Games will be releasing the, uh, real moto scenes from this year. Uh, so I have the opportunity to do shoot some behind the scenes for Jared this year on his real moto part. So. Mm-hmm tune into that it's going to be an awesome video i'm sure i'm sure all the guys clips are going to be cool but you know my vote's going to be for jared's obviously but (laughs) uh, definitely definitely worth checking out it was a cool experience to kind of see what goes into it i mean i have a whole new respect for for all those guys i mean it's you know when it comes to something like that it's you got to be bring your a game so it'll be cool to to watch him unveil and you know maybe see a couple of my clips in the in the behind behind the scenes footage there you go, man. Well, I'm excited about that. Um, before I let you go here on the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. We save 15% with Medterra C- CBD.com with Big MX Radio 15 as your discount code. Um, the way we met was through the uh, 2018, no, yeah, 2018 Supercross season? Yes. Yes. Was uh, um, through the racetrack Supercross uh, reality TV show. You were one of the photographers for it, um, so um, really cool to meet you. We actually got went out for an awesome dinner at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse uh, in uh, Houston on a, a weekend yep. that was pretty memorable for me. That was pretty cool. Uh, we we ran up a big tab, um, and it was all paid for by uh, uh, Jordan. Lieb and uh, the uh, the uh Skid Steer Solutions guys. A shout out to those guys for hooking that up. But uh, what was it like working for the the reality show? Uh, it got all kinds of reviews. Whether it was like kind of hokey or people thought it was cool, people all over the place with it. What was it like working on it? And um, uh, and yeah, just sort sort of uh, give your uh, your 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 feedback on uh, on a pretty interesting uh, uh, reality show. 
one that we haven't really seen the likes of since uh, mid-2000s when they had the reality of speed on, uh, I think that was on the Outdoor Life Network. Maybe it was on Speed Vision. I think, yeah, I think it was on Speed. Um, it was it was definitely an interesting experience. Um, I mean, it was super cool. I mean, the, <clears throat> it was one of my goals in general was to be able to shoot a Supercross season out here uh, when I moved from Ohio. So once I had the opportunity, I was all for it. Um, going throughout the season, I mean, there was, there was definitely some things that I probably would have changed. Um, I'm not going to go into any specific details necessarily, but I think what they did, um, you know, they did, they did some things very well. I mean, there, there was some red tape also that, you know, Feld had on us where we couldn't film certain things. Like for example, the, the main events were not allowed to be filmed because they didn't want us to release them before they were releasing them which really didn't make sense because the races were live most of the time. So it was impossible for us to release them first. Yes. Um, but so that's why you notice anybody that is listening that watched those series, those, that's why the, the ending of the shows were always like a slideshow with pictures. Those were normally my pictures from the main, main event just created into a slideshow. Um, but I, I mean, I was pretty bummed when I found out it wasn't coming back for another season. Like there wasn't going to be a, another one just, I know it, it got mixed reviews, and some people said it was some. Yeah, some people said it was hokey. Some people loved it, and I really think with with a few changes and and everybody more on the same page, I kind of think because it was the first real year that they had some backing and we had the opportunity that you know that like anything else, there's learning experiences, and I think I as a whole they they learned a lot, and I just wish that they could have kind of push that into the second year and, and gotten a little better. Cause I, I do think that like, it, it's something that our sport needs that the people don't see, you know, especially for motocross, even for freestyle, you know, I've talked to Jared about doing some kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, but the, the average everyday viewer doesn't see what goes into becoming a supercross cross supercross athlete or just a professional athlete in general. They just see it on race day when they go out there for their 30-minute moto, and they're like, wow, this guy's really fast. But they don't realize what goes into it day in, day out, and the behind the scenes of being at the races and not doing good or having mechanical issues and, you know, the way the, the, way the sport takes such a mental and physical toll on every person. And even with, with that being said, you know, I feel like, during that Supercross season, you know, the riders that we had on our team were under double that amount of pressure because, you know, if you had a bad day or a bad race, the first thing that was happening was there was a camera getting put back into your face. No kidding. So it, it was hard for them to, I, I feel like it was hard for them to ride to their full potential because they they weren't getting the, the rest or the, the clear head that they needed to be ready for their next race or practice or moto you know, qualify or whatever it may be. But at the same time, they knew what they were signing up for when, you know, when they were going to be on the show and that there was going to be cameras around. So that's one of those things where it's a double-edged sword. You know, they have to get the content and they want the content right afterwards because almost going back to, you know, talking about Christian, you need that, you need that raw emotion of whether it's good, bad, you know, whatever it is, you need that to be able to make the show. Um, so, but like I said, I mean, it was, it was a good experience. I had fun. They, they definitely could have done some, some things differently. Um, and I, I think it could have been something where we had 
tons of viewers this year and even more next year if we would have continued it on. But unfortunately, I never got a call and I didn't see him out there this year. So I don't, I don't think it's coming back anytime soon. But hopefully somebody will kind of pick up where they left off and see what they did wrong and kind of tweak it from there. And maybe in the next few years, we'll see something like that. And it, it could be super cool. That it would, yeah. No, I think it was. Uh, it didn't get, get enough time to really mature. Um, maybe a, a different direction, or just maybe a, a second try at it, a second or third try at it would have uh, came across a little bit um, just more polished. I think that uh, uh, there are a lot of people who really did enjoy it, and I'm one of them. Uh, it was a really cool, neat idea. Um, seeing, like, I, I think that it was. Uh, it, what, I don't know if it was put together as like. As ahead of time as it needed to, like, and obviously, like the one of the maybe fatal flaws of it was that the the episodes were coming out um, for the like basically deciding who was going to get the ride. The that video I think came out like the week of like Anaheim one, which like if you're in motocross, you know that like there's no way that that decision could be possibly made like literally six five days before Anaheim one, like. They already have, uh, like, the entry lists are set, so you, you, <laughs> it was kind of spoiled that way. Um, but, yeah, that, that was just maybe one of the minor things that maybe I would have uh, seen change. But, yeah, I would have loved to see more of it, and maybe there's maybe that uh, gives people, uh, opens the door for, for something else to take over, and, uh, and maybe you'll be a part of it. Um, but this has been an awesome podcast, man. I really enjoy uh, spending time and chatting with you. We maybe do need to do a little bit more of it going forward. Um, but like I said, everyone, if you're not already following uh, PhD Photography on Instagram, uh, please go do so. Uh, please don't steal Eric's photos and uh, and post them as your own. Uh, I'm sure he gets enough I would appreciate that. that. Yeah, uh, definitely. The guy works hard and spends a lot of money to do what he does and capture the moments that he does. Um, and... Uh, like, yeah, just go go follow Eric, enjoy his content, support his content, toss him a like, a comment, or a, a follow, maybe all three, um, and uh, keep the good times rolling, man. Sounds like a plan. Look forward to talking to you soon. All right, cool, man. Well, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. It means so much to me that you guys will take the time to check out the episodes and uh, enjoy them. And I hope you guys are doing exactly that. I hope that you guys listen to these podcasts, get a lot out of them, and uh, and just to, like bring yourself closer to the sport of motocross. As always, if you guys have any requests for who you'd like to hear on the podcast or anything quite like that, Hit me up in the direct messages on Instagram, which is uh, BradGebhart88, or on Twitter, it's uh, BradGMX95, or you can always send me an email. I uh, I get all kinds of questions throughout the week, and I think I'm actually going to start doing some some listener questions if you guys want to send a question to at BradGebhart88 at gmail.com. It's super easy that thing's on my phone i get those all the time and i always uh, email back to people uh same thing if you guys are looking for big mx radio stickers you'd like to uh, place a formal request for those uh i'm not shy about sending those out i've sent uh, some out to uh, garrett rockley as well as jonesy down in uh, australia and stuff like that uh those seem to be popular, and I have a ton of them. So if you guys want some stickers, just let me know, and I'll get to get me a mailing address, and I'll uh, uh, I'll, I'll get you guys uh, suited up. So uh, 
hopefully you guys are listening to these podcasts and enjoying them. Uh, I got a couple other ones uh, down, coming down the pipe in the next little while here, including uh, I think we're going to have Jeff Emma coming on in the next little while as well. So excited about that. As always, thank you guys for watching and listening uh, for the whether it be the Instagram lives or the podcast. Those are uh, always fun, and uh, hopefully you guys are just enjoying these. Continue listening, continue enjoying, and uh, you guys have yourselves a great, great rest of your day. Um, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>